Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and thank you for downloading the latest episode of the In For A Penny podcast. Would you like to know something, Josh? I'd love to know something, Mark. It's been a year since we first started podcasting. Blimey, a year already? Yeah. What a year. So, I mean, depending on when you're listening to this, but it's now December the 16th and December 16th, 2019. And a year ago, well, just a year ago, December the 15th, 2018, we released our first episode. So, how many episodes have we done in 12 months? Do you know? I think, including this one, 26. I think you're right. We've done 26 episodes. We have listeners from all around the world. We're having fun. We're having fun. We're educating people. Educating Rita. What's that? That's a film okay. or a book. Haven't seen that one. You should read more. Stop listening to so many podcasts. Um, we've covered subjects from mortgages to insurance to death. And there's more to come, we hope. Good. Uh, we've had lots of reviews as well. Any new ones? And we're always happy to have more, but this is one we've got... Uh, this week from someone called Selbio. Do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Selbio has left a five-star review with the title Insightful and Entertaining. Enjoyed the inheritance tax episode. Useful tips provided in a simple and coherent way by Josh, the financial advisor, with some laughs along the way. Mark's questioning style is more Jeremy Cowell than Jeremy Paxman, but it all adds to the fun. Great stuff. Keep up the good work. I don't... See, see myself as a Jeremy Carr. Okay. He's quite, I think he's quite aggressive, isn't he? He's sort of like, are you the baby's father? Well, if you start asking me that and my wife's listening, it's going to go horribly wrong. So do you want to take a lie detector test? I would do. We took a test. We asked, are you the baby's father? See, as I told you, it's either me or the, the Amazon yeah. guy. <laughs> and the test said, yes. So why didn't you admit it? Admit what? That you were the baby's father. I, d- I didn't know I hadn't. I mean, well, I say goodnight to them every night. Yeah. Am I missing something here? I don't know. Are you? I don't know what you're on about. But thank you for the review, Selvia. Thank you. And don't forget to pass the pod and get other people to review because that helps people find us, download and appreciate. And we can pass on our wisdom and understanding. So a year or so ago, our first episode spoke about Christmas parties because we've both been on our respective ones. Yeah. And funnily enough, as it's mid-December... In 2019, we've also just been on our own Christmas parties more recently. Yeah, we had ours on Thursday night, Mark. So where do the Orchard Practice Advisors party for Christmas? This year, we went to a restaurant called Benares in Berkeley Square in London. Very posh. It was very posh. Is that a bit annoying because you're based in leafy Hertfordshire, and obviously which has its own restaurants, but you've got to get all the way on to a train into Berkeley Square? Well, it worked out well for me because I was already in central london for a course that day that's so a, a good for boss me. make things convenient for you yeah exactly and what about you have you had your christmas party i went to a, a dinner with one of the peers with a news website i write with peer okay. finance news this was your mention. cavendish content christmas party. no this was the one you were invited to I was their invited christmas, to party. Their christmas yeah, party yeah what'd you go up to we went to a dinner in um Delfino's in Green Park, but we went to yeah, heard of that. a hotel before and had some drinks. Lovely. Uh, but the editor wasn't happy with the service, so she didn't pay the service charge, okay. which I thought was a bit controversial. Well, I guess that's what it was there for. And we did an episode on stuff like that, didn't yeah. we? How did that go down? 
was fine for her because she didn't want to pay and he it was obviously a busy night because it was midweek it was actually the night of the election yeah so a lot of people were out drinking worried about probably the, out, the outcome yeah let's not get into that today. okay uh she so it was a very busy night and it took a long time to get our drinks probably a 15 minute wait just to get a gin and ginger ale a couple of beers and what does she have <laughs> yeah there are a few of us. Very nice. And, um, yes, yeah, so they gave her the bill. She said, I want to take the um, service charge off. And I, oft, often, when I'm out with my wife, she finds things to complain about and gets things for well, free. Well, yeah, when she's money. with you, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm not out with my wife tonight. I'll have a break from that awkwardness where you can't look at the waiter, but the person you're with is complaining. So they're sorting out the awkward bit, but you can just look straight ahead. But I thought I'd have a break that evening. But then, even at work, I'm getting the same awkwardness. I where think, I can't I think look. it's you, Mark. Is it me? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something, Mark. I don't, okay. Speaking of awkwardness, yeah. have you both noticed that... Uh, have you both noticed? Have you noticed that we both seem to be growing a beard at the same time? Yeah. What's are going on there? Just, <laughs> well, mine is because I'm in a period of mourning. Right. It's not really. It's actually because I like always grow a beard around the winter time. But in the Jewish faith, I think you're supposed to grow a beard. But you're out of that period, aren't I'm you? out of that period. Mine is... It started off as laziness. Okay. So I hadn't shaved for a week or two. And mm. I thought, you know what? Let's give this a go. I've never grown a beard before. Okay. So I'm about four or five weeks in now. Yeah. But it is a bit weird that we've both got these fluffy faces at the same time. It's weird when we rub them together. They <laughs> stick together like <laughs> can, we not, can we not pretend that no. happens? Thank you. Should I take it off? Yeah. No, you can keep it on air. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, take my beard. beard off your face. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yours looks quite shaped though. Have you been styling it? When, where's it shaped? I mean, it doesn't look... I mean, like this isn't interesting for our listeners because they can't see also, the I'm going to put a picture on my Twitter. Yeah. It doesn't look tatty. Yeah, because I've, I bought myself a beard trimmer. Not that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But it looks like you know what you're doing. I think it's just... I think the shape is just a bit natural. What are you doing about the neck? Yeah, I'm keeping a neck. <laughs> you've, I mean, you've, I've just, you've I had a done little, a line, man. I had a little... Uh, a little on Friday, I had a little little trim. I don't, yeah. I'm just making it up as I go along and I'm a bit mm. bored of it, to be honest. Yeah. But I thought, you know what, as I've never grown one before, let's do it. Let's see it through and we'll see what happens. What does your wife think about it? Um, she encouraged me to grow it. Did she? She wants you to look more manly. Yeah, I think it's all yeah. just to see less of my face. Yeah. Um, and I think she's a bit fed up with it now. Yeah. yeah. Does she find it prickly? I don't know. Oh, have you asked? <laughs> I just get, I get kind of pushed, if I go in for a kiss, not with your wife, yeah. with mine. She'll say, you've got to shave, so... Oh, that, we've been married and we've got four kids, there's no kissing in my house. <laughs> on with the show. Yeah, let's get on with it. What's this show about? So, I thought it would be interesting, because we talk about financial advice quite a lot as you're a financial advisor. Yeah. I thought it would be interesting to talk about how advisors are paid, because as much as I'm sure you like helping people, you're not doing all of it out of the goodness of your heart. I'm sure some of it is, but you need to make money. Because you've got four kids to pay for, yeah, and a wife and shave and um, a beard trimmer to maintain. So we're going to talk about fees and charges. Yeah, fees uh, and charges. Actually, I would like to be able to provide our service f- without charging anyone. It would be nice to be able to do it. Yeah, it's not feasible. Yeah, but it would be nice to be able to do that. So in the old days, yeah. before 2012, yeah, a lot of people may have thought they were getting advice for free. Yeah, why was that? So. Advisors used to be paid by commission. Before 2012, when the Retail Distribution Review, the RDR, came in, it was all commission-based. So your advisor set up a policy for you, a pension or whatever it may be, yeah. and 
they wouldn't have to directly pay you any fees. And the policy provider, the pension company or whatever it was, would pay a commission to the advisor. So you're right, people thought they were getting advice for free. But in effect, they're, in, in effect, they're actually paying quite heavily for it. And is there a risk of bias there as well? Yeah, definitely. So there was a big problem where people, advisors, I call them advisors, salesmen is probably a better term, used to change people's policies regularly so they could always get the, the next lot of commission, which is one of the reasons that the uh, the legislation changed and they brought in the rules that commission would be banned. They also brought in other rules that everyone had to have a higher level qualification so everyone had to have a level four qualification in financial advice and um, fees had to be transparent and agreed up front with clients. So all in all, it was a great change. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> no, it, sound, it sounds positive. And it was, also it came, do you think some of it was determined by the financial crisis as well when banks were banks were doing risky lending and people were sold products that weren't necessarily suitable? Do you think that had an impact? Yeah, I think so. Um I remember when we saw clients around, remember I only started in this particular profession in 2011, but I remember around sort of 2012, 2013 when we saw clients and they were saying, well, how come we got to pay you a fee now? We've never paid fees in the past. I actually even get that now from some people who haven't seen an advisor for a long time. We say, well, look, you've always been paying a fee. It's just been hidden somewhere along the lines. And now at least you know exactly what you're paying, who you're paying it to and what service you can expect in return. So how do advisors get paid now? So there's lots of different methods that advisors use. So one option is a flat rate or a fixed fee. So you pay your advisor an amount to do a job for you. Mm-hmm. So there's advantages and disadvantages of that. An advantage is very simple to understand. If you're told you're paying, whether it's £100, £1,000 or £10,000, you know what you're paying and what you're getting in return. Um, Another advantage is you are separating the investment advice from the financial advice. I think that's quite a key point, actually, because a lot of people, when they see a financial advisor or a financial planner, are solely focused on the investments. But normally that is actually the investment manager's job. And the financial advice advisor or the financial planner is more looking at the big picture. So the investments is the funds and... Correct, sort of correct. Um, another advantage of fixed fees is that it's similar to what other professionals do. Accountants, solicitors, so it's more aligned on that sort of thing. So when you're talking about these fees, is this, is this for just investment-related advice or would it be for pensions and insurance and mortgages what type of products does it would it cover well, i think that's the the big mistake a lot of people make is to is to talk about products we are not those salesmen that we mentioned before that talk about commission we are providing advice and planning holistic financial planning if a product needs to come into that it will do but that isn't the main focus but if i come to you saying i want an iso you're not going to sell me life insurance well, first, I'm not going to sell you anything. So I'm not going to do sales. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if you come to me saying I want an ISA and I think you shouldn't have an ISA and that you should have a life insurance policy, then I will. Okay. Yeah. So I've got to give the people what they need, not what they want. Nice. There's also some disadvantages. Oh, okay. Tell me those. It's hard to set that fixed fee uh, at the right level. So that's a disadvantage. So you could say to a client, it's going to be X amount of pounds. 
and you spend double the amount of time on it that you thought you were going to. Yeah. On the flip side, you spend half the amount of time on it that you thought you were going to. So there's a risk there. It's also likely to be less attractive to lower net worth clients who have to pay a fee for something, a fixed fee for something. I guess it looks more scary, yeah, when you see a kind of pounds and pence yeah. figure. Yeah. So what, what's a, an alternative method if, if you... If it's not fixed fees. So a lot of people do a percentage fee. Ah. So a fixed percentage. So for instance, when you make your investment, the advisor is going to charge you 5%, 1%, 10%, whatever it may be. And to look after you on a regular basis, they're going to charge you half percent, 1%, 5%, whatever it may be. So again, that's quite simple to understand. Mm. It's a percentage, which is relatively easy to calculate. Yeah. It's a common method. So clients are familiar with that. Very easy for people to get their head around. Another advantage is that the more or the greater the size of a client's assets, the more they pay because it's likely to be a more complicated set of circumstances. Is that an advantage? Well, it's an advantage and a and a disadvantage. So if you from a client's point of view, I think we have to ignore the fact that we can't charge clients nothing. Okay. So, and I think we have to agree that clients will pay a fair fee for the work that's done for them. Okay. So if their affairs are more complicated, then they should be paying a higher fee. And if their affairs are simpler, then they pay a lower fee. If it's on a percentage basis I'm talking about there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a disadvantage, another disadvantage of the percentage method is again for lower wealth clients, it might be unprofitable for a financial advisor to actually look after them. Yes. So if you're charging 1% to look after a client and they've got a million pounds, that's £10,000 a year. If a client's only got £10,000, then 1% is £100. And I, I don't think anyone can justify looking after someone for £100. For the work that's involved you'd make a huge loss. And it's not fair on the wealthier clients to be cross-subsidising the less wealthy clients. True. Um, A disadvantage for clients, and let's go back to what we said before about paying a fair fee for the work that's done. If you are extremely wealthy, there's no upper limit on what you're going to pay if it's just a percentage basis. So if you've got... Hundred million pounds in assets, and you're paying one percent. You're paying a million pounds a year. Is that necessarily fair for the work that's being done? I, I'm asking it as a rhetorical question because we don't know what work's being done. But you you could argue that if someone's got a hundred million pounds, is the level of work twice as complicated as someone with fifty million pounds? So should the fee be double? How is that illustrated to someone? Because I think if you're putting just if you're putting just a percentage on a piece of paper maybe half of someone's calculate. So do they still end up seeing the round figure? Yeah, you have to give a pounds and pence figure. Remember, nowadays it's all clear, open and transparent. So you should never not know what you're paying an advisor. So if they say to you it's 1%, you should know exactly what that is in pounds and pence as well. And that'll be on all your paperwork. So obviously there'll be fund management charges on top of that. And also platform charges. Correct. Which is where the money's 
administered yeah, or held. I think we're talking. We're just talking about advice. Yeah. Advice. I mean, will they see those bits on the same piece of paper as the advisor charges? Yeah, they should do. Yeah. So if I talk about us, okay. so we give a client a brochure which explains what our fees are in percentages and pounds and pence, whatever the method we're using. When we provide the clients with an illustration for anything, that'll have it again in percentages and pounds and pence. When we write them a report, we call a suitability report to say mm-hmm. what we've done or what we recommend and why, that explains it in pounds and pence. If they've got a, pr- a product, the product provider's documentation will show the fee in percentages and pounds and pence. The fees are so in your face nowadays, it's, it's, you, know, it's, you actually see it too often, yeah. but it's all there. Have you ever had someone complain about fees? I wouldn't say complain. It's... Question, query. Yeah, I have had query about. I'm not paying this. No, I don't. I haven't had that from an existing client. Okay. So if people have signed up to us, it's because they're happy. Have you had it from a client that doesn't exist? Sorry, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. But from we have had um, clients in an initial meeting and, and who said, "I don't want to pay the fee," which is great. You know, get them yeah. out of the way straight away. And from if ever we get a phone call from a client and the first question they ask is, what do you charge? What are your fees? Yeah. They're not really the right type of person you want. It's very important that clients understand the fees and know what they're paying. But if that is all they're looking for, then it's not necessarily the right focus. It's, it's, you've got to get value yeah. for money, not necessarily find the cheapest fee. How do you monetize value? Deep. That's probably a whole podcast on that probably. one. Okay. So there's, there's other methods of uh, of charging. You could go down the time-based option. Like hourly rates or something. Yeah, hourly rates. So like accountants do or solicitors. So the advantages of that, again, is you know if an advisor spends a certain amount of time on that bit of work for you, it's going to cost you X amount of pounds an hour. Whether that is £100 or £1,000, you know what it's going to be. On the flip side of that, you don't necessarily know how much time they're going to spend on a task. Yeah. So they'd always give you an estimate at the beginning and they would say to do this bit of work, I estimate it's going to be three hours at £300, £900. But there's every chance that could go above that. And I always find hourly charging a bit arbitrary because you can set your hourly rate or whatever you want to set it at. And there's no incentive to work efficiently. In fact, there's an incentive as an advisor to work Inefficiently. Yeah. I'm not saying anyone would do that, but there is a bit of an incentive to to work slower. Our previous accountants used to um, work out hourly rates, and it put me off calling him. Yeah. Because I knew if ever I called him, he's going to start the clock and start charging me. So putting that into practice with advice clients, you don't want someone not calling you. You could just talk really fast. Yeah, yeah. You, you could do. Um, there, sometimes I listen to podcasts at one one and a half times speed or yeah. two times speed, which which feels a bit like that. You know, they don't charge you to listen, mate. No, no. but if you um, you, I want my clients calling me whenever something comes up. Yeah. I want to encourage them to talk to me and know that they can ask me as many questions as they want, and that we can work together on things about so, financial advice. I assume. Well, not you know what you say that, but the amount of things that clients talk about as well in their life that they just want to chat about is very interesting sometimes we become family guidance officers marriage counsellors the stuff that comes up is very interesting um but does that make sense you you don't want to put someone off calling you because they're worried it's going to cost them money 
And then by not calling you, it's going to cost them more money in the long run because they haven't dealt with a problem. And those are probably the main three. And you could, a lot of people do combinations of the of those. Is that what you do? do you, is there not other choices or how do you decide? Me or how what does one decide? How does one decide? I think you've got to work out what type of business you want to run, what type of business model you've got and what's going to be profitable. Let's just take it off financial advice for a minute. Let's talk about any topic let's talk about being a freelance personal finance journalist Mm -hmm. so you could charge people a fixed fee for writing an article yeah you could charge them the time it takes you to write the article you could someone you could say to someone you've got to put me on a retainer so i'll do as much as i can for you in that amount of time yeah how does someone in your industry or profession decide what to charge yeah i think it depends on the client and what yeah and what they want so if it's regular work it's more likely that the client will pay a retainer because if they're going to do it per article, it'll get quite expensive. But so, yeah, but everyone does it differently. Some are brave enough to say, I want 40 P per word for every article. And then you can do quite well at that. Or some will say, I have a retainer or yeah, a fixed fee for this amount of words. Or I don't think people ever really do hourly rates, but... I think the the key point there is you've got to remember someone is running a business, the advisor yeah. is running a business, and we we always are very we we always scrutinize financial advice because it relates to money, so we think, oh, I'm paying for something to do with my money, and people are a bit more nervous, but it's no different to any other business relationship, but how much of your fees goes towards the running of a business? Well, again, that depends on the business model, doesn't it? Everyone wants to make a different level of profit. But what, what does the fee actually pay for then? What do you mean? What's the fee covering? I don't get the question. What do Are I you get asking in what is financial advice? No, what do I get in, terms in return for my fee? So the question is, what is financial advice? Really, isn't it? That's it what is. you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. Deep. Deep. <laughs> Well, it's interesting we call it advice because, yeah, a lot of people would say it's not just the advice, it's the whole planning thing, isn't it? That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I'm absolutely right. People don't have to say that. I'm filling the silence now because I'm going to let you drink that tea in your hand. That's very kind of you. I come you. up with my next question. I must say, this tea is better than the, the one you made me when we last recorded a podcast. Is it? Yeah, it was cold last time we well, had a podcast. Well, we should have said. Well, we're live on air. Well, not live on air. We yeah. were on air. I didn't want to insult you. I'm sorry, but... And you were rushing me a bit. I was that stressed that day. Um, but as Jeremy Corbyn would say, property is theft. <laughs> Does he? No, well, he's communist, isn't he? He's cut now. That's a communist <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay. Property well, is Mark theft. Mark Schoffman has put it out there. Jeremy Corbyn is a communist. He's not, is he? Socialist. It's theft. This is staying in. <laughs> um, uh, let, I'll tell you what. I'll just add a final thought on fees. Okay. That... As a client, you have to find the best advisor to look after your needs. You've got to find the optimal advisor. Yeah. And Optimus not necess- Prime. Pardon? Sorry. Transformers reference. Optimus okay. Prime. Um, and not necessarily the optimal fee structure. So by that, I mean you could find someone who's charging you the perfect way for you, which could be zero. Yeah. But be a terrible advisor. Or you could have the perfect advisor charging you, not necessarily the way you would have hoped, but giving you fantastic advice and great value for money. 
So it's better to have the optimal advisor in a suboptimal fee structure than the suboptimal advisor in the optimal fee structure. When someone is first choosing an advisor, yeah. often the first thing they may see is the fee. Yeah. So that's got to be quite a big factor. Is that a question? Is that not going to be quite a big factor? If someone can demonstrate to you that you're going to get looked after, you've got to, you've got to think, why is the person seeking financial advice? It's not not to spend money. So you would hope that most people don't go looking for an advisor thinking, I don't want to pay for them like any other service. So it's looking for someone that they feel comfortable is going to be a partner for them for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to help them get the most out of their life and out of their finances and therefore be willing to pay for that service. Why do you think some of, a lot of advisors don't put their fees on their website in comparison to DIY investing platforms where everything is quite easy to see? You can quite easily see yeah, how much I think you are, you're not comparing apples and apples. You're comparing apples with watermelons because one, it relates to advice and planning and one relates to a product. Interesting. I'm not saying that that they that's um people shouldn't publish their fees yeah but but you're not comparing like for like should people publish their fees yeah i think they should and when we next update our website we're going to put ours oh yeah on there yeah very brave um well what's what's there to lose i'd rather have them up there and stop those people calling who only care about fees they can have a look themselves and decide in advance um than waste time speaking to people like that I say it like that, but it's not it's not a regular occurrence. You know, we're we're very reasonable for the work the work we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's again, people scrutinise it in this profession. A lot of accountants, solicitors don't have their fees on their websites too. It's also very hard to know a hundred percent before you see someone what the work's actually going to involve and what you're going to need to do for that person. So I prefer to meet someone, have a chat, and then say, look, if we're going to look after you. This is what's going to going to cost. Are you happy or are you not? You know, then people can make an informed decision. You got your charges on your website? No. Okay. I'm not providing a regulated service. I don't know why that matters. No, you were just trying to defend yourself. Yeah. Have it. But you can see the point is you you yeah. need to know what what the work is. Yeah. And then you can say well, this is what the charge will be. Do that bit of work. Yeah. I think the risk I have in journalism, if we're going to compare that, is there will always be people who will do it cheaper and that creates a race for the bottom because there'll always be someone who wants to pay cheaper. So I guess there's a risk as well in financial advice if there are people coming out and saying, we can do this cheap, we can do this low cost or whatever. People may flock to those and as like you're saying, you may not get the best if someone is very low cost and and can give the top level service, then fantastic. Um, I don't think there'd be a race to the bottom. I don't think it's not all about fees. It's getting good value for money. I think our fees are actually on vouch for. I think they're on there because yeah. we've done that rec- more recently than our than our website. But I think I don't think that is what people are worried about. What you don't want is someone just seeing a fee and making a decision before they know what they're going to get. Okay. That's all we have time for. And that is the final episode of 2019. Is it really? Yeah, we're going to have a little break over Christmas. I'm going to let you spend some time with your family. Thank you. Release Grow the you beard. my study. Grow the beard a bit. Yeah. Maybe even shave. What are your plans over Christmas? 
sorry, the festive period, in case you're not Christian. Which, which, which I'm not. Yeah. We are spending Christmas Day at my in-laws. We're going to have Lovely. a nice lunch. Yeah. Hopefully some turkey, mm-hmm. a bit of stuffing. Kosher turkey? Yes, of course, Mark, of course. In case your dad's listening. Yeah, well, of course it's kosher, even if he's not listening. <laughs> he told me he hasn't listened for a while anyway. <laughs> what about you? My dad doesn't listen, he's dead. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered. <laughs> Awkward laughter. <laughs> but go on, what are you doing? <laughs> We're going to my sister. For those listeners, I'm not sure if he's laughing or crying. It's a bit of pain. I'm supporting him here either way. Uh, we're going to my sister's. Can you stop rubbing your beard again? <laughs> For Christmas Day. <laughs> and... Um... <laughs> Okay, so we, uh, we'll be back on January the 6th for when I stop crying and laughing. But yeah. have a best of a season to all our listeners. Thank you for listening over the last year. Do please keep downloading, leaving reviews and pass the pods. Fa la 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 la. Thank you. Please remember, anything discussed in this programme should not be viewed as financial advice. But if you do need support, please contact me at Mark. M-A-R-C at CavendishContent.com or visit the Orchard Practice website at www.topfs.co.uk You can also find us on Twitter at InforAPennyPod1 at Mark Schoffman and at Josh Gersler If you'd like to leave us feedback there's a link in the show notes telling you how to do that We really appreciate any comments you provide And do post any financial issues you'd like us to cover Thank you for being In for a penny <laughs>